0: The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is
1: the Everyday Driver Car Today.
0: As you're probably already aware, I am, uh, I am not riding solo tonight, but I'm riding without Paul, and chance is here. Welcome back, sir. Hey, how are you guys? It's always a pleasure. You're at the, you're your first time in the podcast studio. I know. This is great. It's It's a completely different world. He's looking at me going, I can tell what you're going (laughs) to say, which is helpful. So it is all still, I know we keep talking about it, but it's a new experience for us to actually sit in a room together and podcast. So we're still getting used to it and we're enjoying it. Hopefully it sounds a little bit better on your end. I keep listening. And tweaking levels. Every week I listen and go, oh, I got to fix this next time. I, I'm a freak. But anyway, but we're here for uh, mini car debates. We've got two car debates. We've got Tristan writing to us from Boston and also David writing to us as well. We're going to get to both of those. Also, there are a bunch of questions for us in general and Chance specifically. We've got some cool insider news to talk about. Chance is going to give us a Mustang update. I want to cover two emails. We may be here a while.
1: It's going to be a long one. I mean, we've got so much to talk about and you know, an hour goes by really fast. It does. Once we get it going.
0: It does. So let's hope that we can actually cover the car debates kind of quickly. But let's dive in real quick because I want to hear about your Mustang. What's the status on it right now?
1: Well, since last we talked, I needed tires and it was running, but I wasn't able to drive it yet because I didn't have it registered. Well, oh, last... you know, little legal trifles, right? Yeah, you know, little things. I was still driving it around the neighborhood. Shh, don't tell anyone. But uh, I would... Uh, since after last week... Let me restart over. Last week, I went and got the registration done, so that gave me the ability to go get an alignment done legally. Mm, no- novel idea, okay? Yeah, yeah. Which the the alignment that was on it, it would drive straight and everything, but the the alignment actually had positive camber, not negative camber. Wow, that's helpful. Because the old suspension that's just held. That, okay. That was factory spec. Sure. Okay. And it was also meant for bias ply tires. Oh yeah. So that's not really ideal for modern stuff. <laughs> for anything. <laughs> not good so, for anything. Yes. So driving it down, driving down the freeway in it with that old, old alignment was an issue. It just, it was scary. The steering wheel was just, <laughs> oh, where are we going here? You know. Wow. But once I did that, well, actually, I, I drove it to work that morning. The morning okay. I got the alignment, So I wanted to get a, a feel of before and after, and. The after, I, w- I was actually shocked at the difference. Even really? The only thing that really changed was the camber, and they added caster to it. Sure. So it drives straight. It's a lot more um, stable at speed. I actually got it up to 90 on the freeway. Ooh, don't tell anybody. And
0: does So here's a question. Does it feel m- kind of modern now, then? No. Okay.
1: No. There's still some dead spot in the mid- okay. middle of the steering. It's still a 50-year-old steering box. It needs to be rebuilt, <laughs> and I'm going to eventually replace it. Okay. <laughs> But uh, then the, the following day, the following day or later that week, I got new tires, and I drove mm. it to work a couple times after that. And, okay. And then uh, last week, you and Paul actually got to see it in person. I and did. And hear it running. I saw
0: it, heard it running, and you were having a bit of a rubbing issue with those new tires.
1: I was, yeah. So the, my front tires are, were, uh, before they were 225, 40, 17, something like that. And now they're 235s, Uh and they rubbed already a little bit before. (laughs) And then they rubbed really bad on the way back after getting the tires. But I've since taken, you know, you hear about people rolling their fenders to help with rubbing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't have access to a a fender roller, so Mm -hmm. I just took a hammer to it.
0: Okay. So I, I
1: can see people cringing at the thought of taking a hammer I, to I fenders. I am cringing.
0: I'm sitting here with you cringing, but <laughs> what's the result?
1: But I did a really good job. You can't tell looking at the car from the outside. <laughs> you can't tell from 20 <laughs> unless, feet away. Unless you were to take the wheel off and physically look up underneath the fender, you would never know that I rolled the fender. Really? So, okay. All right. So I, I, did, I think I'm I did gonna, pretty well. i have to take your word for you'll, it till I see you'll it. You'll have to give... Give me your judgment when okay. you see it next.
0: All right, we've got to get it on camera. That's something on our short list. We yeah. are, we're getting into good driving season. In fact, one of our uh, one of our mini roads just opened today, the day we're recording this. Other roads are supposed to be two or three weeks away. We're, we're actually <laughs> like this road watch. We yeah. just sit here and we get on, on the the uh, Utah Department of Transportation website, and you just kind of track when's the road open, when's the road up. So uh-huh. we're getting to that kind yep. of thing. It's becoming a bit of an addiction, a daily thing for me. But we're getting close, which means we're going to start shooting a lot more here, which is great because we've got such awesome roads. But we're also going to get a time of year when we get on those roads, there's going to be a lot of debris. So uh, your old Mustang and my FRS will be perfect trailblazers. Oh, yeah. The the, the Porsche GTS will have to follow at a distance, I think.
1: If, if not lead.
0: <laughs> well, but okay, fair point. Either at a great distance or lead at a ridiculous high rate of speed. And, and, you know,
1: we, we'd see them take off anyways, and we'd never see them again. This <laughs> is true.
0: This is true. Well, We've got many other things to talk about. I want to talk about – I'm going to tease it for a minute. I want to talk about uh, the Ford GT – and our experience with that a couple weeks ago because it's very it relates directly to when you're listening to this podcast. But first, I want to talk about two emails we got. I came to a weird realization recently, Chance, and I don't even think I've talked about about this with you at all. But every now and then, you guys are wonderful that are listening about writing back into us and going, okay, I was on this podcast and here's what I bought. And we've been kind of piling those away. We've been kind of keeping those away under the thinking of we're going to do a whole podcast of those. And that just never really happens. So I'm kind of transitioning that and thinking, when we get those emails in, we should just cover them. Yeah. Just here's an individual email. So I wanted to, to get back to an email we had uh, from uh, from Corey a little while back. Corey wrote, and you may remember, it was a Tall Man's Problems podcast. It was a few weeks back. It was actually in, I think it was mid-January of this year. Okay. So Tall Man podcast. His boss was who we were actually doing a, a review uh, debate for. Oh, right. You remember right. this? Yeah, so yeah. Corey was kind of the car guy for his boss and his boss came and said help me find a car yeah I remember so we this. had this whole tall guy podcast paul was recommending teslas i was trying desperately to get the boss out of mercedes because he had two <laughs> e-classes in the garage he had an e uh e350 sedan and an e350 convertible and yeah let's let's change that up so he has changed up
1: wow. he wrote in wow. success
0: has occurred unsurprisingly uh, he was getting two new cars. One, Unsurprisingly, one of them is still a Mercedes. Well, you know. Exactly. So his boss is still in an S550 is his new kind of big, nice sedan.
1: But... There are worse problems to have. This
0: is true. This is true. If you're going to go... But, but the thing <laughs> I didn't want, though, is I didn't want two Mercedes again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I knew one of them was bound to still be. So the S-Class is, is the new one of there. But he bought an M3.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: He bought an M3 and he got it in orange
1: nice he had silver
0: mercedes before now he has an orange m3 i am applauding Corey, you and your boss and apparently his boss is now listening to the podcast so hello oh
1: nice boss uh
0: yeah thank you for being with us and uh, we're glad we could be a wonderful bad influence for you and we're (laughs) we're thrilled to hear the results so thank you guys for writing in thank you guys for listening that's really cool hopefully we will do better about these updates i just want to touch on that uh, quickly also wanted to talk about this isn't an update but a cool email i read a couple hours ago, Chance, you haven't even seen this, a guy named Chris wrote in and just just wanted to write in and say, guys, thank you. And we didn't do anything. I didn't think he didn't, (laughs) because I covered a car debate for Chris. But here's the situation. He's driven a long list of cars that have all been vanilla. And his latest has been a five-speed Jeep Patriot that had almost 200,000 miles on it that he couldn't have hated more. (laughs) And something about listening to us kind of convinced him it's okay to go get something fun. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. You can yeah. do it, Chris. So he just bought himself a 2008 Mazda MX-5 with 30,000 miles, got it for 10 grand.
1: Wow. 30,000 miles in an 08?
0: Yes. So that clearly was hardly ever driven. It's beautiful. He sent a picture of it. I I just, I'm thrilled for you. So congratulations on getting that car. You did send a picture that shows you've parked it outside. So I will say, no one will be surprised, there are Covercraft products you can do for that car to protect it. And I have to say the bug has hit me, Chance. It's bad. It's bad because I'm now actually using a Covercraft sunshade all the time. Yeah, I, I I only ever had – do you remember that you probably – you? I am going to be very old for a minute. You probably don't remember. There were the nasty cardboard ones when the idea first came out. Okay. They had terrible 80s sunglasses on one side. Oh, they
1: are the like, ripply ones? Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, and help,
0: please call police on the other side. <laughs> and that quickly got so ignored you could go to an airport parking lot and half the cars that had sunshades up said help, call police. Right. Because people just put them up wherever they could find them. Those are the only ones I was familiar with. The halfway decent one I actually have now from Covercraft I, I use, and it helps. So who knew? So if you're thinking about a Covercraft uh, car cover or a sunshade or anything from them, go to Covercraft.com. If you use Debate, you'll get free shipping. So let's go on to a new kind of inside the industry thing I wanted to talk about, and that is we just shot the 4 GT two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, we did. That was quite an experience. Yeah. It, um, we should explain. We shot this... But not for ourselves. Which is even weirder. Which was, the whole the whole time it's just like, oh, this is kind of cool. And we're around, uh, you know, everybody who was anybody was there at this press event. And it was held at Utah Motorsports Campus. You probably saw some posts from mm-hmm. us on Facebook. And Instagram, many, many others, yeah. Else. Yeah. And along with everyone else. And... You know, what was weirdest part about it was we were shooting it, but we didn't get to drive it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that weird for you. Can you imagine what well, it was I like? I know. It's got to be even worse for you guys. The closest I got to driving that car was sitting in it to shoot some interior beauty shots. Right. And at that point, I wasn't even sitting in it like you would for a driver. I'm sitting in that weird sideways thing with my feet out of the car so you can't see feet in the yep. foot wells. I actually have a picture of this. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> so that's the thing. It wasn't even like really sitting in the car and going, how does this feel? I have no idea. And that's the weirdest yeah. thing, to spend all day with those cars and have no idea. Here's a little bit more backstory on it. You should should know this. I don't know if you are aware of this with the industry or not, but here's how this works. There's what they call long lead press. Those are the big boys. Okay. Motor Trend was there. We were there for Kelly Blue Book. Our friends at Kelly Blue Book needed some local shooters. Obviously, we're here in Utah. We have friends at Kelly Blue Book. They needed somebody to shoot the thing. So we came out and shot it for them. Unfortunately, we were not invited to the long lead thing to do it ourselves. That just happens sometimes. But here's the thing you have to know about those realities. You may have noticed this. The day this comes out is a Friday. You will probably see a dozen Ford GT pieces that all drop the same day as this podcast. No, if not more, yeah. And the reason is because they they get all the big-name press out front, way ahead of when a car is released to everybody else. So they call – let's be honest. They call car and driver not everyday driver. So car and driver was there the day before us. Motor Trend was there. There was a guy there from Wired – the they, guys we were with, obviously, CNN were Kelly was there.
1: I've seen yes. posts from all kinds of people. All over the place. It was just like, okay. Over cool.
0: three days, about a little over a week ago, at Utah Motorsports Campus, they had like six of them out there.
1: Yeah. So they kept
0: rotating them through. It was craziness. All kinds of paint jobs. So everybody was getting in it for track and a little bit of street drive. But this is how they do a press launch. They bring in journalists, and they give you a mountain of – talking to essentially yeah it's it's just like a day's
1: worth of presentation
0: exactly here's everything you could possibly want to know plus stuff you don't want to know and the the sad result is when you watch those long lead guys the things they say in their articles and the things they say in their videos are almost all the same because it's like cramming for a test you sat there for two three sometimes four hours and had information just sandblasted at you and then you sit down in a car what are you going to talk about the same stuff you were just told yeah. I mean, it is exactly like cramming for a high school test. It's oh, exactly yeah. that idea. So that's why all of those, unfortunately, seem a little bit the same. Now, personalities vary, but seem a little bit the same. One of the reasons we like to get cars for a little while and later so that we can kind of come to our own impressions versus here's the marketing brief. Yeah, yeah. But the sad part is we don't get into stuff this early. So like you said, we were out there all day with the new Ford GT and the guy from Kelly Blue Book brought an old one, an 05. Yep. Yeah. And we were comparing them and shooting that, so we're we're proud of the piece, but we're not in the piece, which is weird.
1: It's very weird. I mean, the the, the whole day, you know, I'm I'm very familiar with shooting out there, and so it was just mm-hmm. interesting seeing everybody gathered on one part of the track, and it was a little bit of organized chaos, and just you know, to pe- say the least, people yeah. everywhere. You're trying to get pictures of the car, but everyone's everyone's wanting pictures of the car mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in whatever way they possibly can. So they're trying to you know get the shot.
0: That's the big difference between our shoot in general and this oh, yeah. shoot is because this was a there was a mass of people from various outlets all at the same time on the same cars. So you kind of had to, hey, hang on a second. Would you get out of the car real quick because I need to get whatever. And you were fighting for, oh, hang on, close the door for me yeah. again. All that kind of stuff. that makes it feel like, I know this sounds weird, almost more like shooting at an auto show oh, exact, than one exactly of our normal like, shoots.
1: Exactly like shooting at an auto show. Everyone at least has an understanding for one another. We all are there for the same reason. And there's general, a general lack of respect and you know, getting out of the way
0: when and where you can. <laughs> did you say a general lack of respect? I did say a general lack
1: of respect. A general <laughs> sense of respect. I there knew what go. you
0: No, it's, sometimes it's a general lack of respect. Uh, That's fair.
1: Uh, well, there's a closet of rakes over there, I'm sure, as Paul would always say. But, uh, yeah, so what I did was, since I'm so familiar with the track, I went off to where yes. I would shoot the races yes. at the track. Exactly. And, you know, since I'm... So I get over to where I wanted to shoot, and one someone from Ford drives out. And it's like, hey, you can't shoot from there. So everywhere I was wanting to shoot was kind of invalidated because I couldn't shoot from the barrier; I had to be back behind, and mm-hmm. like
0: the spectator areas. And it was all the places that you know. I mean, the people may not realize this, but pretty much any time there's a major race at a Utah Motorsports Campus, Chance is one of the major still photographers out there. Yeah. So it's not like he stumbled in and went. Maybe I could stand over there. These are all the spots he normally uses. And he kept being told, you can't stand there today. Yeah, and he kept yeah. going, what
1: the heck? It's like, this is even more relaxed than the races. Sure, and yeah. And it's like, well, OK. Well, I, I didn't want to cause any trouble, so I respected it. And I just yeah. you know, did what I could. You still got some great stuff, and, too. Yeah, I'm really excited for the piece to come out.
0: What's nice is that you got some stuff from the far side of the track. And there weren't a lot of people getting that. I mean, we came and attacked it with, with our guys. Speaking of attacking it, by the way, the Motor Trend guys were there. Now, Angus, yeah. who's who's the elder statesman of Motor Trend, he's been around forever. He knows his stuff. A lot of the big cars, he gets in them. He He used to do a lot of the videos for Motor Trend. Yep. Now he gets into the ones, let's be honest, that he would like to. Yep. So he was actually doing uh, Ford GT the week we were there. And then the next week was going to be in Rome driving the McLaren 720 because why wouldn't you go to Rome and drive the McLaren hey. 720? I mean, if you, nice work if you can get it. But he was out there. But Motor Trend had at least four guys and a full minivan worth of gear. And the amount of gear they mounted on the car – I'm not kidding when I say this. The amount of gear they mounted on the car – is almost the amount of money this show spends in a calendar
1: year. Yeah, it was nuts to, to I just, witness.
0: I just kind of knowing the gear they were using, I just kind of tallied up real quick. Okay, wait a minute. I realized, no, no, that's pretty much our annual budget is currently strapped to the car. Yeah. So nice to have budget. But, of course, we shot it our normal way, which is very little budget but a lot of effort, and uh, and got some stuff we're proud of. So it's it's. I I know I keep saying it, but it is very strange. It's mind-warping to have a piece coming out that we're proud of that we're not in,
1: yeah. not in at all. Yeah. What was also kind of interesting and weird for me is when we do our, our follow shots. So yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, We had the both both GTs on track, and we we brought your Cayenne out. Yeah, which to, worked great to, to use as a camera car. And we're doing I don't know how many how many laps we actually did. We, we did, did about several. six. Yeah,
0: we did about six. Yeah.
1: But we're going like 30, 40 miles an hour the whole time on a racetrack. It was just yeah the, and, the and a the track that psychological weird a track that
0: you know a little bit so yeah. you knew where which yeah. is why I had you driving so I could shoot but a track that you know the Cayenne did great in this duty but we've got two four GTs following along behind at, at kind of slow speed track speeds, but we got some nice stuff as a result. It was a weird weather day in one day we had uh, crazy wind yeah. like hang on to something wind snow and bright sunshine where we all started shedding clothes and that was all within was, like 90 minutes it was yeah, it was it it ridiculous. Was nuts.
1: And I also want to talk about you know, Billy Johnson. He, oh, my gosh. He's he's one of Ford's factory drivers. He races the Ford GT LM cars in the mm-hmm. ma mm-hmm. among others, in WEC. He's last year's uh, Continental Tire Championship in a mm-hmm. GT350. And they had him out taking journalists around the track in the new GT. Yeah. And just yeah. watching him hoon this car like it was nothing
0: mm-hmm.
1: was just insane.
0: Development driver for this Ford GT, also a development driver for the GT350 Mustang and 350R. And that all sounds really cool. And then you see him drive. Yeah. And you just kind of want to sit for a minute and watch. There's some amazing sliding around in the piece that we did, and that is Billy behind the wheel. Yeah. And to my complete shock, because I was very much in production mode, but we were wearing our Everyday Driver hoodies, not to advertise, but because it was cold. So we were all wearing Everyday Driver hoodies. And he walked over and started talking to me because he follows the show, which I did not expect because I was very much in shoot mode. And I introduced myself and talked with him as just the guy that was out there as the as the hot shoe for the day. Yeah. And then he turns the conversation around. And I was like, hey, I love your show, which I was shocked by. So we've asked him, just so you know, we've asked him to be on the podcast as one of our guests. We're probably going to wait until – I can't believe I'm going to say this sentence. We're going to wait until after he races Le Mans this year. This is a guy that races Le Mans. <laughs> we're gonna have him on our little podcast. That'll be awesome. So we'll
1: glad... next month, so it's not exactly. that far away. Exactly
0: right. But but I want to I want to give him the time to do that. Plus I want to hear stories from the insider stories from it. So, oh yeah, that'd be great. Uh, so Billy is following the show, which is great. Thank you, Billy. And uh and watch some amazing driving from him. So that really covers that, especially for something that we shot but didn't <laughs> didn't get into. Uh let's do some car debates. We've got uh, Tristan first writing to us in Boston, and uh let's see. He currently has a 2013 Ford Mustang V6 with a manual. Before that he had a Toyota Celica. He actually found the Celica to be <laughs> more usable than the Mustang. I find that kind of funny because I picture, you know, the 90s Celicas is pretty little and yet
1: Yeah, it's... I was kind of shocked by that too. Yeah,
0: he finds it much more usable. So that's interesting. He's uh, he's got a commute of about a half hour or so. He's uh, he's driven lots of fun stuff, but his budget, his budget is about uh mid 20 about $25,000, so mid 20s. He's looking for used, but he'd like to still be in warranty if he can. And uh, he's kind of leaning Focus ST right now because he'd like something that's a hatch with a little bit of usability, which more so than the Mustang. And he can trade the Mustang in and stay in Ford and get better deals. He's looked at the GTI. He's looked at the ATS, WRX. These are kind of his tops. Um, But uh, he actually has the Mustang because he had a BRZ before this. Did you read this, Chance?
1: I did. I did. Uh,
0: he had a BRZ that he supercharged.
1: No, you're confusing him with the next. Am I really? Yeah, the next car debate. No. Am I really? Oh my gosh, you I jumped are, too yeah. far. <laughs> I jumped
0: too far. Sorry, you're right. There's, I'm into there's the. There's
1: a clue one. for the next one.
0: You're right. So yeah, so BRZ supercharged coming up. Sorry, I, I scrolled This is the problem with scrolling. I scrolled too far. So yeah, so we're WRX, Focus ST, and uh, and these his his leanings um, GTI, ATS. He's looked at. Better better usability than the Mustang. Where are you, Chance?
1: Yeah, he, he specifically says that he wants something that's functional with four doors and doesn't have a rough ride over Boston streets. I've never been to Boston, so I'll take your word for it about, it, terrible, about yeah. being pothole ridded, riddled. But so I, I kind of went – I took the ATS idea and, and ran okay. with it. So I've got a couple of different options here. And – um. Two of them. One of them I know we. I don't think we've you've uh, recommended before, and I'll just jump right to that. Really? Okay. Good. And so I was thinking commuting in, in mind, and he mm-hmm. wants something somewhat fun. And this car doesn't have the best driving dynamics, but the uh, the twenty fourteen Infiniti Q fifty Sport All Wheel Drive. Okay. I uh, found a bunch of them for twenty six, twenty seven. So it's a little bit outside your budget, but you haggle and you can <laughs> drop it down a little. <laughs> and you're, and you're sitting. Your, and you're sitting in for Paul. I, I'm sitting in for Paul. So well you have know, like, I got to do well the Paul. Well yep, right? yep, Very good. Good job. Um, so th- this one that I found is in uh, Auburn, Massachusetts. So it's not that far away. Oh, good. Uh, twenty six nine with where'd the miles go? With thirty thousand miles. So and it's got the V six. So it's three hundred and Twenty-five horsepower, give or take. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then I went from there. I, I took the obvious route and said BMW 3 Series. Get so mm-hmm. a 2015 328i for around the same money. You can find those in a stick too. Um, then I have two that are more that I liked better than those my first two choices, and that's the uh, the CLA 250 mercedes Ooh, okay sure sure found, found a bunch of those for Did you really 26 okay 27 mm-hmm. okay uh couldn't find any amgs i'm sorry no but you can't not for that money it's still the all-wheel drive it's the formatic and and they're gonna be a really nice car to commute in
0: they are you're right for commuting you've done very well there for sure for sure
1: and uh, my my last choice i think this is my my personal favorite the uh the lexus is 350 the, the current gen. There's yeah. A bunch of those floating around for the same kind of money as well.
0: Well, I like that one a lot. That's excellent. I like that one a lot because you could get that out of warranty and it's probably just going to run. Yeah. It's just going to be a car you're Toyota not going to worry product, about. It. so basically. yeah Well, and the Lexus, is, that's what they're known for, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, my, my mother-in-law buys Lexus almost entirely because of the service, because of the loaner cars and the fact that the cars run. I mean, she's not an enthusiast at all, but uh, she that's the reason she loves Lexus. And a lot of people that that are buying a Lexus they never leave because of those realities. So and that IS 350 look if if the styling's okay for you, you're okay with the predator grill then uh, which is okay oh, it, it's growing on me on some cars. I, I don't know about it on that one. But if you like <laughs> it on that uh, I think that's good. Um I would also say in that same category we've talked about it before Acura TL. Yeah,
1: I did think of the, I didn't look at them but I did it, think of those
0: they're forgotten cars that's yeah. the thing about it so you can get them i mean it's the better honda accord and mm-hmm. and they are you super handing all all-wheel drive is good dynamically those cars i guarantee you they're better than you think they are tristan so i think it'd be worthwhile to drive one of those i want to speak to the focus st thing real quick you mentioned that you can get a better deal on one because you'd be staying within ford and they would give you a better deal have we ever encountered that yes of course they want to keep uh, they want to keep people in the family i mean yeah when we owned our gmc acadia about two years in, GMC started sending us random, hey, loyalty programs. Like, we've had this car two years. Loyalty? But anyway, they started sending (laughs) us loyalty program discounts. Hey, come get a new one for this discount. So they want to keep customers around. This is pretty much any car maker you can think of. So staying within the same brand is probably going to help you. Yeah, I know a guy that had a series of Audi A4s. Went to buy the latest A4. Didn't like the deal they were going to get him. He'd had two or three in a row. He said, "All right, well, I'm going to go see what BMW has for me." And they wouldn't let him off the lot. Oh, he man. got another A4. So the, these things happen. You know, <laughs> they yep, want to keep yep. you around. So I can see how the Focus ST kind of wins in that regard. I am going to ask the question: Focus ST. I'm guessing the Fiesta is probably too small. I think the Focus is probably better. Now, the Focus. The, yeah. weird, the weird thing about the Focus. Is it's a more usable cabinet it's a larger car it's got a little bit more commute friendly ride which is probably going to help in boston but it has torque steer and the fiesta st kind of doesn't i mean it does but really doesn't in comparison
1: power difference but i will
0: say yeah that's some of it and then and then there's the setup as well uh i will say if you're going to talk focus st i wanted to get you an option i will say this mazda speed three
1: yeah. Now yeah, you got to go older those. gen. You got to yeah.
0: go older gen. But I mean, we did a comparison of those a ways back. Very different personalities. You want to talk torque steer? The Mazda Speed three yes, can help you out there. Even with torque yes, steer. But but they're not. I mean, the Focus ST is far behind. But uh, I think the Focus is a good choice because of the deal you can get. Of course, I want you to get into the RS, but you can't afford it. Um, we've given you some other good sedan options here. So hopefully, something here is helpful. And yes, write us when you decide on something, and we will um, we will talk about it. We're going to try to be better about that.
1: Yeah, so did you have any other recommendations for him? Or no, I, move didn't, on?
0: I didn't have an epiphany there with Tristan. I thought those were some good discussion points. I like your Lexus actually quite a bit, and I think the TL would would get it done for, yeah. for commuting and still be a car that he would enjoy. that
1: would still be fun, yeah. So let's move on to David. Uh, we're not sure where David's writing from. But uh, he's had a good-sized list of cars. You've already heard about his his supercharged BRZ, but but, but not the whole story. I, I teased it. I got ahead of myself. Yeah, I got yeah. all excited
0: about the supercharged BRZ and that story. But yeah,
1: keep going. Yeah. So so he's had everything from an early '90s Eclipse, an Integra, Camaro, Celica. He's had a lot of a lot of Japanese cars. I'm noticing this this trend here. The only one that's not on his list that is the Jeep Wrangler, which has traumatized him for life. Apparently. Well,
0: that's the actually. Early, early on, he also has that 93 Camaro listed that he said he hated because he had the V6. Yeah. So imagine an early 90s Camaro with the V6. This, the only other American car on this list is the poor Jeep Wrangler. We have not had a good run of American vehicles here.
1: No. And funny story about early Camaros, early 90s Camaros, one of my friends in high school had a 95 V6 Camaro. Okay. And I had a 94 V6 Camry. Okay. And one day we... Took him to the drag strip with a bunch of friends that that all had Mustangs. Keep going. And we raced each other three or four times. Mm -hmm. And every time I beat him in the quarter mile by a second every time. Oh, my gosh. And he got so upset over it that the next day he went online. This was before. You can look up things quite like you can now. But he went online to check the stats on both cars. Okay. And the Camry had almost 30 more horsepower, and it weighed a couple hundred pounds less than the Camaro, oh which is just sad. Yeah, that's that's just really sad. sad. So that's we, terrifying. So we feel for you about the Camaro there, um, but he's he his BRZ he uh, supercharged had 295 horsepower, which is a good amount. A for that amount car. of amount in
0: car. Two, 270 torque, by the way. That's almost a hundred. Pound feet more torque. In fact, that's more it's than more, it's all like 150 pound yeah. feet more torque.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the sad story with this car, he got he got got it to 7,000 miles, and then it was left. So I'm not sure the full story, but it it got caught in a flood and got totaled out, got basically totaled. Yeah, and so he he lost the car before he got to really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Lost it too soon. But he does go on to say later on, and this kind of surprised me, that even though he had supercharged it, he wishes he left it stock. Did you see that? That was interesting, yeah. Yeah.
0: And he said that because, look, I I have no doubt in my mind, no doubt at all, David, that that – 290 horsepower, 270 pound-feet of torque was crazy fun when you could get on it. But the reason you said you wish you'd left it is because you were able to floorboard it everywhere. Yeah. And once you put the supercharger on it, it became more car, more power than you ever used, Yeah. which is a little bit too bad. It's one of the things we've talked about a lot. It's, it's the old cliche of slow car fast. But I think it's interesting to, for you to actually share your own experience here. But you had that BRZ kind of taken from you. And you needed a quick daily driver, so you wound up in a base WRX. And you like the personality of it, except for the fact that 8,000 miles in on a brand new car, you have rattles everywhere, and you keep noticing that the interior is not nice. Yeah. Something about the BRZ being a dedicated sports car didn't bug you as much. But this WRX is letting you down in that regard, and you don't like the seats. Now, the BRZ seats are great. You don't like the seats. Nope. So here you are with the disease shopping again. And you keep kind of referencing, keep coming back to the BRZ. Hey, I really liked it. Don't have to have four doors. Would like to have two doors. Would like to have something that looks kind of sexy. Preferably a manual, you know, yeah. the usual stuff. Yeah. Yes, but, but we're specifically, what I think, think is interesting here is, you know, we've talked about, we even did that piece, the WRX versus the BRZ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's great things about both those cars. They're genuinely greatest hits cars from us. But you had that BRZ, loved it, got in the WRX, and just kind of feel let down. So you are kind of leaning back towards sports car again, which is kind of cool. And we've got a decent amount of budget to work with. We've got thirty-five to forty k. You say a hard paw limiter at forty k, which is a good amount of budget. Yeah, and you you are embracing the okay. I love the BRZ, but let me move on. What can I do that's a little nicer? Two doors, sports car, forty grand. I've got some good ones for this.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. I, I kind of, you and I are both a lot alike in our choices in cars. This is like, true.
0: And so I, I'm because uh, you have a, a Boxster and a, and a BRZ in your garage, and yeah, I'm not yeah. surprised.
1: So I'm really curious where you went. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I imagine we kind of went the same direction. Possibly. So what, what, let's hear let's hear what you got. Well, okay.
0: The the I have to say the obvious one because our show is practically sponsored by this car. It isn't actually, but you can get a used Porsche Cayman for this.
1: Yeah. Oh he he did mention though he wants to preferably have cars with warranties. Yes, okay, so that's not going to happen. But however, I did find actually, now that you mentioned that, I found the 2014 base Cayman in St. Louis. It's a manual for 42 grand. So Ooh. Just just, you Ooh. know, tickling your underbelly
0: there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and okay, you know, that warranty thing may be the killer on some of these choices because I went and shopped what could I get you that feels like an upgrade from your BRZ that is used and a great, genuine sports car? Yeah. Because I'm of the opinion if you get a car that's a couple years old, it's out of warranty, but it's got, you know, 50,000, 60,000 miles on it, I, okay, drive it for three or four years. I, yeah. You know, why not? Set some money aside, do the plan, the scheduled maintenance. It's probably just going to run.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There are anomalies, of course. Of course there are. And there is that, I got surprised by it, and we hope that doesn't happen to you, but I. I just want to lean used here. I, I picked all used stuff, so hopefully we'll get some other good stuff out of it. So, yeah, Cayman, you can get a Cayman. You could get a Cayman S, a little bit older Cayman S. Uh, that does all of the luxury stuff you feel like you've missed so far and all of the sports car stuff. There's a mention in here as well that you you'd like to take trips to mountain roads. You like to actually have some storage space. So in spite of having a two-door sports car interest, the Miata is out. You want some usable trunk space. So that's another thing about the Cayman. You'd be surprised with the trunk and the frunk,
1: how much space is in there. I have three others, but where are you? Uh, I actually have three others as well. But you specifically mentioned the uh, the M228, I think it was two. Yes, yeah, the BMW I. 2 Series, yeah, the base one. Mm-hmm. Well, for 40 grand, you can pick M235i's up all day long.
0: Used ones, which is used a much ones. more interesting car. I agree with that. And you can't go wrong with the 228, honestly, but you do no. can do that upgrade. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. So why not? You can get the manual. You'll you have the same amount of space, the same chassis as the 228, but a bunch more power and have a lot more fun. And you mm. and I both mm. agree that that car is basically a grown up FRS.
0: In a lot of ways, it lot, is. In a lot of it, ways. It, it, it's, it does that same balance because it's front. Uh, front engine, rear wheel drive. It's approximately the same size. There's a lot of similarities about it. I mean, I said it in our BMW M2 and uh, Paul's Cayman GTS review that that M2 feels like the the same pathway of the FRS BRZ, if you will, but just cranked way up. Yeah. So I definitely can see that that M two thirty five is on that same path as well. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Um then I also went. Uh, this might surprise you a little bit, but, but C six Corvette Grand Sports. You can get for about yeah. $35, 40 I think that's great. I think it's great. Um, you know, if you get the, the hard top cars, the coupes, you'll have more luggage space than you would in a lot of other things. You'll
0: have more l- luggage space than most things. Yeah. I mean, we've put, entire, entire, us. we've put an entire <laughs> crew day worth of gear in the back of a C6 Corvette. So it's shocking. It really is.
1: And uh, my last one, this is one I, I, I kind of think you've probably found as well, but it's a uh, 2006, so it's, it's a bit older, but it, this will, I think, check all your all the right boxes here. Okay. It's nice. It's three-wheel drive. It's uh, got 37,000 miles on it. It's 2006 Aston Martin V8 Vantage for 41.
0: Did you really? I okay. did. All right. And it's all a right. manual car, too. All right. Uh, hey, you're going to love those road trips in that car.
1: Clean, clean title. It'll be a nice interior.
0: Absolutely. Great I,
1: sound. What's not to like?
0: No, the, yeah. What's not to like is check in to see just put some yeah, money away from maintenance, maintenance. that'll Would be the be, problem yeah but wow when you drive that car wow that'll be awesome I, that's that's an event car it really yeah. is and it's event car for honey i'm getting milk and it's still an event oh car. yeah you
1: can daily drive that it's, thing
0: it's awesome that, that's a great one i love that you found that i hadn't thought in those terms but you're right they are that low now i have two others that are on the cusp of maybe too small Okay. And then I have one I even surprised myself that this is possible. Hmm. But the BMW Z4 Coupe is cool. That's yeah. a cool car. It's got not a great amount of trunk space. The FRS BRZ is going to beat it. But I, I do wonder how much space do you need. You want to have some trunk space for trips. You feel like bigger than the Miata, which these cars can do. But yet, okay, how much do you need? So the Z4 is in that category. The 370Z is one of those mixed bag hatchbacks. It's a hatchback that's not great. It's about the same size as the Cayman hatchback, yeah. but you don't have the frunk. That's right. the problem. So they, three, they have
1: that rear cross brace too in the hatch, don't they? Yeah. So so, so it's it's it's, kind it's, kind a, a, it's a bit up, of it's yeah. a
0: bit of a weird one, but uh, but look at it, figure out how much space you need because that might work. That could. Uh, it, but it's a little better than the Miata in space, but not, I mean it is in space in general. But it's, I'm talking about storage space now. So that's an option, but then I was surprised. I actually looked at forty grand, and then just out of sheer curiosity, because I wanted to understand that where where the price point was, I looked at forty five. Here's what I'm talking okay, about. So now you're Paul. I know I am Paul, <laughs> but here, here, here's for a minute. Staying at forty grand, you really can get yourself a C7 current generation Corvette. Really? You can get them now in the high thirties. They're out there, and I'm not talking like here's one with hundred fifty thousand miles. I'm talking here's one with forty. Or yeah. fifty, and they're forty grand. The that that the ones below forty, there's not that many, I'll be honest. There weren't a lot, but I found right. a dozen or so. Between forty and forty-five, hundreds. Hmm. So depending upon hmm. where you are in the negotiation you that's why I went a little higher, because I wanted to see when when it really got yeah, there's yeah. a lot. So I think look at the C seven Corvette. I love that C six Grand Sport. That's a car that was one of the best of the C six anyway. Yeah. But you could get a C seven. Which is a great car.
1: Yeah, if you can get a C seven, I mean skip the C six and just and, go straight to it. And it
0: is in so many ways a step up of that BRZ. It it, it has the very similar shape. It has that's a car that when you drive it hard, it genuinely feels smaller. Yeah. Edgar, who shoots with us in LA, is not a big American car fan. And he's also not a muscle car fan. He loves the C seven. The first time he drove it, he got out and just kind of looked at Paul and I just shell-shocked. It was like, (laughs) how is that car that good? (laughs) And he drives an S2000, so keep that in mind. So C7 Corvette is a real option for you, so I would take that into consideration. Hopefully something in there, we're, we're rambling on, David, but hopefully something in there has helped you and uh, both you guys, let us know what you wind up in. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, you are continuing to rate and review it. We really appreciate it. We do read those reviews. There's been things about the podcast that have changed or tweaks because of those reviews. So we appreciate all of those ratings. It keeps us in the top 10, which we really appreciate. We do have more guests coming on the podcast. That is the upside to this new podcast studio. We're headed toward more guests, which is fun. And thank you again for the the pile of questions oh, for us so on all questions. the social media things and many for you chance
1: there was a lot for me and speaking of a lot, a lot speaking of a lot of them being for me my wife texted me earlier this afternoon and asked okay. me if i'd looked through the questions yet all right and every time i'm on there's always a couple of these okay and she's like did you notice that there's a couple of these that are people basically asking to spill the beans on todd and paul's bad I, did habits? Notice these.
0: I did notice these yes
1: and then she goes on and says yeah, just you know, tread lightly there.
0: <laughs> which suggests <laughs> that that your wife, who who knows this as well, has seen many, many bad habits, which is not good. Yeah,
1: but but then she goes on and adds, "Well, maybe you don't really need to, because they they spill the beans on themselves all the time." This is true.
0: <laughs> There's not a whole lot we're hiding. That's very true.
1: <laughs> so, I guess, I guess to, to answer the questions, they were things that you know are are in, little little things that bug me. I guess not. And. It, and,
0: it, and situations where we get in your way. I noticed that right. question too. Yeah, yeah,
1: there was that one. But things like, okay, Todd's got this thing where every time you pull up a car for beauty shots, he has to have the front uh, wheel lined up so that the emblem on the center cap is perfectly level. Yes, that is th- my th- thing. That is one of your th- That I is just, my thing. I, I don't get it. I mean, I respect it, but I don't get it.
0: Well, we, we always turn that wheel toward camera. We, yeah. always, we always make that wheel perpendicular to camera, and it really bugs me in the edit room to wind up in the edit room and that wheel is is front and center it's like the, that the face of that wheel is pointing right at camera and it's up close and the and the logo is upside down drives me nuts in the edit bay <laughs> so what i am essentially doing is defending my own sanity in editing
1: and, and see i've got the same problem though every time we do interior I always straighten the wheel back out so that the wheel's free. Absolutely. Straight.
0: Yeah. Which, which, you know, that's one of those things that is in the same category. If I get into post and the wheel is at a weird canted angle, it looks worse. Yeah. So these are the random things we chase. You're absolutely right. That, yeah. I, I do it every time and it drives everybody nuts, but I am happier with the stills and the video as a result.
1: Yeah. It totally makes sense. And I completely, I mean, I, I get it, but it just, it's something it, that doesn't it, bother it, me it, at all. It annoys you, but yeah, exactly. I understand. <laughs> So uh, let's dive right into questions then, I suppose. Um, Let's see. Carrie Turner asks me uh, on Facebook, if money was no object, what would my Mustang build look like? Ooh. And that's actually a very loaded question, a very difficult (laughs) question, because there's so many things you can do to an old Mustang these days. But I've I've always liked um, the Ring Brothers and the, the work that they do on muscle cars. You see their builds at SEMA all the time, and they're just, you know, big dollar builds and look yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if they drive as good as they look, but they always look fantastic. It's that
0: money no object approach, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but what I would really like to do is I'd take a Ford small block, stroke it to a 331 cubic inch V8, put some <laughs> downdrafts. I'd keep it fuel injected, but but there's a system out there. I forget what it's called. There's probably a couple of them. But they they basically look like Webers, but still fuel injected. Oh, okay, yeah. And I'd try to make it a track-prepped car that's still, you know, something I can still daily drive if I wanted to. So think think GT three fifty R. You haven't thought about this at all. There's no no time has been thought in this at all. all. Yeah. So that that's the direction I think I would go with that. I like it.
0: I like it. Um, Let's see. Uh, there were many good ones today. Uh, hey, Goran, you you called out a question on uh, tire-related, so, of course, let's talk tires. On Facebook, you said you've got uh, Pilot Supersports on your Mustang, but all you do is commute in it. Yeah. Do you need Pilot Supersports? Uh, look, I'm a huge fan of the tires. I love, of course... Living here in Utah, it, it it's beneficial to have a dedicated set of winters and a dedicated set of summers. There's those couple of days when I leave the house at 20 degrees on my summer tires and go, oops. <laughs> but by you know 10 in the morning, it's it's 60 degrees and doesn't matter. So there are those things. Of course, that's kind of made me obsessive about having those two dedicated sets of tires. But you're in a situation where you're not having to deal with weather yeah. and all you do is commute. Do you need supersports? No, you don't. You, no. you don't. I mean, you, sure. could, you could be fine with – you know, Kumo makes a tire called – a line called the EXTA – and they are close to the to the super sports, but not nearly as expensive. If you wanted to go yep. that route, but you know Michelin's got their AS threes. I think they're they may be like the three plus now, which is their all season. Which I had on my FRS when I bought it. Surprisingly good tires and all season. I'm not an all season fan. I mean, all season tires are the one size fits all shirt. But I get it. I do yeah, they understand. Their place for sure. I do understand. And and Goran, if that's how you're using your car, I, I get it. So it may be fine.
1: Yeah, and on on my Mustang, I actually put um, BF Goodrich, uh, G Force Comp Twos. Okay, on sure. It. They're they're the same tire that the Ford Racing School uses on their cars actually, and they're only a hundred and fifteen a pop. So they're pretty okay. pretty reasonably priced. That's pretty great, yeah, for a performance tire.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, Charlie James wrote in. Did you see this? He's calling out to you, Chance. Charlie is one of our friends out in Germany. We've seen him at the ring and hung out with him we've gone to Germany. And he's asking if, uh, now that Paul and I have had an explosion of fame, are you having <laughs> to do more work? Well, Charlie, thank you for that laugh, because there is no explosion of fame. There's almost an explosion of my brain with the amount of work that is related to TV. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to actually kind of apologize to all of you listening, because it bugs me. It truly does. It bugs me when Thursday goes by and we don't have a release for YouTube. Yeah. I just I want to put something out every Thursday. And, I mean, this KBB thing is a great example. That that fell in our laps. That required a lot of work. It was fun, but it, it required a lot of work.
1: Two weeks is all you had for that, really.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that was the other thing is, is there's these embargoes, and actually the embargo lifts. It, while we've recorded this podcast, the embargo has lifted. Yeah by the time like you listen to it ago, yeah, actually, by, yeah. by <laughs> the time you're listening to this it will have lifted it was 1201 Friday morning eastern time which means 901 p.m. Thursday night so by the time you are listening to this there will be many many 4GT videos available including the KBB one but so we've been doing that i've got still two full brand new never before seen episodes of TV that i'm editing Tom's got stuff he's doing. We've got other little fast blasts and, uh, and other fun things that we have in the pipeline. But it's just been a matter of time. So I'm saying to all of you listening, thank you for being with us. And I'm sorry we're not having more YouTube-consistent content. But once we get into summer drive season here and the TV stuff works its way to YouTube, you're going to see a lot of really cool stuff coming. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Chance is an amazing help to us, Charlie. You have to know that. Um, Paul and I are still more than buried um, but uh, chance is is great. Anytime we ask him to do stuff, especially shoot.
1: Yeah, and honestly, even though uh, you guys are a lot more busy, I'm kind of the same. Nothing's really affected me a whole lot yeah. as far as workload goes. So I'm not I'm not doing much of the editing. I'm not you know taking care of the emails and communicating with everybody. That's that's all some stuff that you and Paul have been so great at doing.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the thing that, that's been interesting about the TV thing is, is uh, this is going to sound weird. I understand how to make a TV show. I know that sounds strange, but that's my background. Yeah. It's all of the admin and the legal and the the maneuvering and all that kind of stuff that's not go shoot it, edit it, produce it, deliver it. That I can do. Yeah, it's all the other stuff that the has been added on TV things. that I'm just kind of like. When does this get done? Why does this exist? Who said it? that? That's been yeah. what's been. Look, look. I am describing. This isn't even a first world problem. This is this is a whole new category. That I can't even <laughs> define. Is this a Hollywood <laughs> problem? But uh, yeah, I I wish we the money was rolling in and we were ridiculously famous, Charlie. But we're gonna keep at it because we love it. And thank you for the question. And maybe when we're back uh, this September, we'll see you again. Hopefully, we will.
1: Yeah, um, let's see, we'll. Over on Instagram, Spectre2112 asked me about frustrations of shooting a car well, making the make, making the mm, beauty shot happen mm, and what, sure. what it takes to do that sometimes. Well, for example, we already talked about it, but uh, our, I think you posted it as a cover photo today, the four GT pictures.
0: The two of them together on the track. It's a gorgeous photo. I, well
1: I sat back a ways while you guys were doing beauty, and I had to sit there for a little while to get, to get that shot. So sometimes you just got to be patient mm-hmm, and... Mm-hmm you know you got to have even when you're patient enough so though sometimes you get to the edit room and you see what drives me insane is <laughs> spots on the lens oh sure yeah and then you have to go and remove them all and the, in this case i i got lucky i didn't have a whole lot to do but some of my racing pictures it's you know it gets dusty and things like that out the track and you got you know spots all over the place and just, oh. oh take take forever to go through and and remove them and make sure that you know, it doesn't look like they were there anymore, and that that sort of thing. But uh, the other the other two things that I I always take note on when I'm at, still on location is trying to make sure the background is free of any distractions, mm-hmm. you know, signposts, fences, yeah, yeah. garbage cans. At the track, you've got porta potties and floating around places. Try and keep clutter out of the background. Yeah, and we we do that too with our our beauty shots. But the other thing, and this doesn't affect video much but it does stills Just having like gravel or weeds and things in front of cars that, that grow up through through the cracks in the pavement or they're just all over the place i go and remove those a lot of the time too <laughs> just to, just to clean it
0: up and- the before and after of any of these photos chances or like mark urbano that's worked everywhere or the big guys you may have heard of if you get to see the before and after of those photos it is truly shocking i mean oh yeah there's plenty of like color correction post-production that happens but it's the removal stuff the digital removal stuff that would never cease to amaze you and and like chance is saying you can take all that stuff out but if you can either block it or remove it when you take it you've just saved yourself oh, you
1: save yourself a lot of time yeah. and frustration and work and the, it's just it makes things so much easier to get it done right the first time instead of having to make, make more room make more work for yourself <laughs> later on <laughs>
0: Uh, Ariopolis also wrote in on uh, Instagram. I, this reminded me of a story, Ari. So I wanted to to talk on this. I don't think I've shared this story recently. It actually happened in the in the last couple of weeks. Had a very scary moment. Your question was, you don't know if people realize how well truck drivers are doing in their job and how well they can take corners and just handle those big rigs. Ari, I agree with you. It's it's kind of amazing sometimes to see how well th- those guys do, and I have. Honestly, one of my personal scariest driving stories happened less than two weeks ago, and it related to an 18-wheeler. Hmm. He did everything right. I don't think, even think I've told you this no, story, Chance. I've, I told heard it to this. Paul. Uh, because I, I, I'm i not a guy that gets spooked behind the wheel. This genuinely scared me because my son was in the car. And oh, I had yeah. that convergence of I'm here, but he's here, and that's not okay. Right? He's an I'm sitting in the driver's seat. He's in the, think about the FRS. He's in the, over my right shoulder. He's on the right side back. Okay. So he's right up, right by the the right rear rear wheel. We're going down a section of of Interstate 80 here that's actually really fun. It's got a lot of nice curves in it. Yeah. And what happens every time, because I drive a little sports car, what happens every time is when you're going down that hill, everyone's going
1: fast. Yeah.
0: And I'm, I've got, folks. Cruise control exists. I'm just staying the same <laughs> speed I was going when I went up the other side. I'm still going down at that same speed, but people are are compressing and passing and all that. And then you get to those corners and everybody slows way down. Everybody yeah. freaks out. Guess what? I'm still on cruise control. Still doing the same speed, going through those corners. So I'm going through, and I was I was working my way through traffic, and I I got into the middle lane as we headed around a corner. As I got into the middle lane, hopefully you can picture this. It's the three lane three lane part of the highway. I'm in the middle lane, starting to pass the guy in the left lane who's in a Land Cruiser. Okay. Uh, actually, no, I'm take it back. It was a Forerunner. I just passed Land Cruiser. He was in a Forerunner. Okay. So, big gray SUV, left lane. He's in the fast lane. I'm coming up beside him, passing him in the middle lane. On my right is a dual trailer FedEx guy.
1: I was going to say, it sounds like a FedEx truck.
0: Yeah. So, it's the cab and two full trailers behind him going through these corners. Huh. I'm just passing the 18-wheeler to the point that my passenger door and heading toward my passenger rear wheel is right by the spinning lug nuts of the front of that 18-wheeler. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. essentially the cheese grater part. To think yep. about the chariot race and Ben Hur. That's the part of the he car. He big
1: spikes for lug nuts, He too. didn't, but
0: it's that part. <laughs> and right as I'm right there, guess what happens? Of course, the SUV decides he wants to be in my lane, doesn't see me, clicks on his blinker, and starts coming over. I've got nowhere to go. I've got nowhere to go.
1: Slam on your brakes or something, I guess.
0: So I buried the horn, came off the gas, buried the horn, and he kept coming over. He got a third into my lane, and I did the only thing I could. Because there's people coming up behind me, too. The only thing I could, which was just keep inching right to give him room. Yeah. And prayed, prayed that that guy in that 18-wheeler saw what was happening. And he just shifted with me he gave me just enough space oh, nice. that 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 uh forerunner came over then he suddenly realized of course that I was there ducked back I floored it and got out of there and so kudos that FedEx driver wherever you are thank you because I'm envisioning lug nuts invading my son's side of the car that yeah been terrible that been so ter- it, yeah. that situation was entirely saved by that 18 wheeler driver so I'm hats off I don't wear a hat but there you go I'm hats off to you on that and Ari I agree with you those guys are underestimated many many
1: times i actually saw recently and i've seen these before but there was a video floating around on facebook of one of those those competitions that they hold for those oh, semi drivers sure yeah they basically have a little obstacle course for them and the speeds that they do it in it's like mm-hmm. an autocross for <laughs> semi trucks if you can imagine se- yeah that. frightening and it's just insane watching them whip the trailer around doing mm. all sorts of madness
0: what are the ones did you notice
1: uh, let's see Ian Dura asks us what are the biggest automotive mistakes of our lives so I don't know I don't know if that means cars we bought or things <laughs> that we have done with them or in them but this can go a lot of
0: ways this could be uh, this could be a bad place to be
1: yeah <laughs> but uh, I, I thought of two and they're both kind of intertwined together so when my wife and I first moved here to Utah we both worked we, we practically worked in the same parking lot we shared you know, we can look across at each other and almost see each other, kind of thing. And so, we only needed one car. Okay. But then she switched jobs and had more of a commute, and so we had to find another one. Sure. And I, at the time, I was working for a Porsche, Audi, Volkswagen dealer. So okay. we, we looked at cars that on the Volkswagen side because that's the budget we had. Yeah. And we found a CPO 2009 Jetta 2.5. It was a base car. The only mm-hmm. thing it had was heated seats, which is unusual for a car with cloth interior. Yeah. Okay. But it had heated seats, and it was it was like I forget what we paid for that car, but it was cheap, like 12 grand or something. And it had fairly low miles. And then once it got up past warranty, but 200 miles outside warranty, the 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 abs computer module failed so the con- okay. and that doesn't just control the analog brake system it controlled the speedometer and all these oh other things the auto position sensor it was basically a second ecu for the car okay and in traditional volkswagen fashion the the gauges all light up like a christmas tree all the yeah. warning lights come on all and, bad all bad and so we take it to the dealer where i worked <laughs> by the way you know me <laughs> And actually, I don't think I worked there anymore. Maybe that was part of the problem. <laughs> but they were like, "Well, it's going to cost like twenty-two hundred to fix. The car was worth seven or eight grand. Ooh! And it was just like, what? they, so they, they, they tried Because they knew me. They, to their credit, they did try and, and work with us a little bit and get the deal. You know, lower the money down. But. We ended up taking it next door and trading it in for a Mazda three,
0: <laughs> <laughs> which you liked.
1: Which yes, we liked that one a lot more. Um, but the second part of the story was, a, the car we had at the same time was a Mazda six. When we we bought the, the jet. yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah. And well, when we were buying our first house, we needed to you know try and free up some debt, and we got rid of the six, and. We look back and wish we got rid of the Jetta instead, because, sure. Because of what yeah. happened, and we loved that Mazda a lot. I still, yeah, you talked still about the six before. Yeah, that it was very but, cool. And so yeah, that those were my my two uh, mistakes. I think. Okay. You...
0: I had a uh, I had an Audi ninety. We've talked about it on the show before. I had uh-huh. a nineteen ninety Audi so nineties. That's before it became the A four, and uh, that was first German car I'd ever owned and i have to say because it was this tiny little thing compared to the ford explorer i'd driven before that i enjoyed chucking it around los angeles when it ran but uh i think we bought it for 5 or 6 grand and in the first 6 months we probably put two or three into it sounds about right and and just I mean, as fun as it was, it was like that. We no, this can't happen because we'd had this Explorer that had just kind of run in spite of itself forever. So, and and we weren't, I mean, this is very early on in our marriage. We weren't in a place where we could keep doing that. Plus, I didn't love the car that much. It was kind of fun because it was different. But uh, yeah, that one, that was a stopgap car. It was one of those cars that we got to get out of the Explorer and then went, this isn't
1: really any better. It's got
0: (laughs) separate issues and we moved on from there. That's definitely one for me.
1: Right. Um, so Sean Clark asked, what are some options and features that we thought were stupid when they first came out, mm. but now we can't live without? Mm. So the one that keeps coming to my mind is Bluetooth. You kind of touched Agreed. on that recently yeah, yeah, in yeah. a previous podcast. But when they started coming out in the cars, it was still when Bluetooth was those little goofy earpieces that everyone wore around yes. everywhere. You look like a cyborg. And you look, yeah. look like a dork. And so it was just like, do we really need this in our cars? I mean, how mm-hmm. hard is it to hold mm-hmm. it and talk? Oh no, yeah, well, or, which is now or, illegal or, in a or, lot of, or lot of or places. Or
0: put it, put on a headset. This isn't difficult, yeah. folks. Yeah.
1: And, and but now you can stream your music through it. You stream your maps or whatever through Apple CarPlay or whatever, you. whatever you, else yeah. you've got. And it's it's just a it's a great useful tool.
0: I agree. I I've talked it up before, and I I remain shocked for as much. Uh, as much commentary as the FRS-BRZ get is not having a good interior. And the FRS, of course, is the lower rent than even the BRZ. That Scion Toyota stereo with the touchscreen is great. It's genuinely great. And the Bluetooth is wonderful.
1: Which is hilarious because the BRZ one is a different unit. It's terrible. And it's awful. I
0: know. Isn't that weird? Mine
1: takes some days it'll connect you know, in a snap. Other days, I drive six miles before it connects to the car, and it's just like, what is going on? It's
0: one of the biggest surprises for me in that interior, which gets get, just gets talked down so much as being a terrible interior, and yet here's this head unit that just – it just works. It works every yeah. way you would think it would all the time. I'm surprised, but there it is. Uh, I've got one more I wanted to end on. Did you have any others you wanted to cover? Yeah,
1: that actually kind of leads into um, – Eli Miller sixty fours com- question on Instagram where he was asking the differences between the FRS and BRZ. Mm, clearly, the head unit. And the head unit is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the basic differences are both bumpers are a little different. The headlights and the BRZ are different. Just little trim things here and there. The mm-hmm. interior quality, but the only dif- the only performance difference disp- difference that there is is the rear shocks yes and the shocks on the Subaru are actually softer than the FRS
0: I believe that's right And, and and I think over time and correct me if I'm wrong here but I think over time they've become a little more similar when it was first released in 2013 the FRS and the BRZ, that the, that rear suspension was significantly different in its setup. Yeah, and we actually drove them back to back on a track when they were first out, and Paul and I could tell the yeah. FRS was much more prone. Which makes sense. I mean, the Subarus traditionally they were all wheel drive and they're much more prone to understeer in their setup. Yep. and that was how the BRZ was compared to the FRS. The FRS was just tail happy. So, and and I think they've become a little more similar over time. What's interesting is outside the U.S., of course, it's not the Scion FRS at all. It's the GT86. And you can get it in the lower or higher trim, you know, which is you know. exactly what you can do here with the BRZ—a lower or higher trim. It's harder to find the higher trim in the Toyota products, unless you get like their special edition. What do they call it? The Series, Series ten 2 or whatever. With yeah, 10 yeah, yeah, those guys.
1: Whatever. Um, so yeah, you said you had one more question.
0: Yeah, one more that actually leads into uh, tomorrow's TV episode. But it's a genuinely good question, too. Andy uh, Andy wrote in. Andy asked me a little while back about how does he turn his son into a car guy, and we talked about that. Now he's asking the father question we all hate, and that is, okay, so are there any minivans that are worth it? Or to put it another way, if I have to get a minivan, which one should I go for? Right. Andy, we're going to say don't, but there's two things here. This week's uh, TV episode is one we're actually really excited about. We took our Mid-Engines and Mountains uh, feature film, which is over, uh, over an hour long. It's the Alpha 4C. It's actually kind of a celebration of the Alpha 4C's existence because yep. aren't we shocked? We took the Alpha 4C, put it with a Porsche Cayman, the base Cayman, and put it with a Lotus Elise because these are the mid-engines that are actually affordable. I mean, that's an exotic setup. And we took him to some amazing roads in California. And so we've created a TV cutdown of that. And that airs uh, actually on Saturday, the day after this podcast. It will follow on YouTube. Yes, it will after the fact. But that is an interesting recut of the film. The film is still its own animal, but this is an interesting recut. And while recutting it, I had a kind of a crazy idea. We've only ever done one actual on-camera minivan review. Right. And it was of the Honda Odyssey that we had as our camera vehicle on that film. So true. what I have actually done is I have done a cut-down version of that and merged it in with the Mid-Inches and Mountains piece that's playing on Velocity on its way to the web. So I'm going to say to you, Andy, and look, I've been in the Toyota. I've been in the Hyundai. I think we've even had a Kia minivan on one rental. Paul would confirm because, of course, he would take the Kia minivan. <laughs> but Honda Odyssey honestly is fantastic and does this category incredibly well so that is my first choice in a category where I would say, please don't.
1: And the other one that we were impressed with was the uh, the Chrysler Pacifica, the new one. We both looked the at new, that at the auto show. The and... new
0: the new interior is trying to be a luxury car. I agree. Yeah, they're, I do. It's pretty nice. It's the it's if you can somehow keep the debris of childhood behind the front seats and good luck to you on that. You'd sit there and think this is a really nice car. Now, all of that really nice car is going to get covered in something sticky. Yeah. But uh and something that came out of a sippy cup and yep. where on earth how long Toys has this everywhere. cheerio been here? That yeah. that's going to happen and wreck that nice interior. But the interior was I was really surprised at the merging of luxury cars with minivans of course at that point you're probably gonna spend 50 grand and that's not reality
1: yeah well that, that's why the Odyssey has a vacuum cleaner in the back to, to yeah it's one of help, those help things. that out
0: you know when I first saw that advertised I thought you're kidding and then my wife's cousin who has a ton of kids and is the perfect person for a minivan happened to say in passing to my wife we're thinking about getting an Odyssey. Do you know it has a vacuum in the back? That was her actual line of thinking. And I thought, they got you. Marketing works. You've got to be kidding. But OK. Of course, we've also talked about Honda Dog on the show yeah. where you could have a little water dispenser and the vacuum. And then the dog can clean up the Cheerios, which saves yeah. you the trouble.
1: Yeah. I and mean, what's not to like other than it's a minivan?
0: There is that to not like. But we do actually talk about the usability of it on this piece for TV. And we actually did in our piece that was out a while back, the longer piece. uh, uh, That's the only piece you'll find on YouTube where we reviewed a minivan. But hopefully we made it fun.
1: Yeah. Well, did you have any other questions or –
0: Oh, there are many, many others, I mean, but we, I we think uh, you know. now that we're an hour in, we should wrap it up. Chance, thanks for being with us, man.
1: Oh, of course. Always a pleasure.
0: Thank you guys for listening. And, of course, we will be back again next week for both Tuesday and Friday. And uh, we are we are a little more than halfway through Season 1 on Velocity. We're already – I know it sounds nuts because, trust me, it sounds nuts to me. We're already talking about shoots for Season 2 and the stuff we're shooting for YouTube this summer. And I don't even think we've told you this, Chance. We're also talking about what we're going to shoot for this year's feature film. Because, you know, we're doing plenty. Why not do hey, more? Hey, I mean,
1: you got to keep the machine so, rolling. Yeah,
0: so we're going to try to do a feature film as well, something uh, generational comparative like we've done with the 911s and the BMW. So that is in the works. We'll see if we can pull it off in the midst of everything else. And, yes... We're going to Germany again this year. That's September. Uh, first week of September this year. We have the is coming up soon. I can't tell you yet that it's out because it's not. But very soon we'll be announcing that the registration is open for that trip as well. Thank you, guys, as always, for listening, for sharing, for writing in. And Everyday Driver TV at Gmail is the email address. Or you can come in directly through our website. We do have uh, feature films available on Amazon and Vimeo. If I don't yep. say that, Paul will be angry at me. So yep. there, I've said it. And until next time, guys, drive safe, drive fast.
1: See you.